Yes, Lord. Father, indeed, you know each name from afar. You know the number of hairs that are upon our heads. You know each tear that falls from our eyes. You know the anxieties and the worries that we carry right now. Those things that weigh us down. know us you know that we are dust clay that we're nothing more but a vapor that comes upon this planet and like a mist we are gone But at this moment, Father, you have us here as a church located in a little old forgotten city called Fairfield, Alabama. And you know each person, each soul that you have called before there was ever an earth. You know the sheep that are yours and you know them all by name. And you know the sheep that are wandering up and down the highways and the byways of Fairfield, Alabama. And they are yours. And the evil one can't hold them he can't entrap them in Egypt. And Father, we thank you that by your power and by your spirit that you're calling them from the ailments, from the addictions, from the brokenness, from the fatherless. You are calling them to yourself. And we pray here today, Father, through all that would be said and done that you would call even today that you would make those who are now dead alive by the power of your spirit grant me that preaching anointing that speaking ability none of man's doing but of your spirit that you oh God would touch me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Remove my fear, my weariness, my tiredness, and fill me up afresh as you always do to speak to your people through your word. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you. 
Well, I want to get right into it, so please stand to your feet as we will continue on in our sermon series, God's Message to the Children of God. And we're in the part where we're calling it Christians, Submission, Civil Government and Authority, Part 2, Romans 13, 1 through 7. Here we go. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant and avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes since the authorities are God's servants continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone and taxes to those you owe taxes and tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect and honor to those who you owe honor. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. The word of God is sufficient. The 66 books. The word of God is sufficient for all of life. God has given to us from his word all of what we need to be the kind of people that he wants us to be as we have talked about from Romans 12, now that we've received this mercy of God, how then shall we live? And so the word of God instructs us from all of life and is very sufficient. And this is my first keynote slide, which impacts this from Timothy. Here we go. It says all scripture, not some, not a little bit, all scripture is inspired by God. I love the one way of saying God breathe. God breathe it. And it is profitable for teaching, meaning instructing us for all of life, for rebuking us when we go off track, for correcting us when we do the wrong things, for training in righteousness. I know there's this ideal that there is no wrongs and there is just only what you think it feels good. But you can see the word of God is God breathed God's word to us that it is profitable for teaching us, rebuking us, for correcting us, for training us in righteousness. How then shall we live so that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for every good work. God's word is sufficient for all of life and teaches us everything we need to know in order for us to live according to righteousness from God's standard. The Holy Scriptures teaches us that the God of the Bible has instituted all government authority and that there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are all instituted by God himself. Last week, we talked about the family, the mom and the dad being the first leg of that foundation in teaching about authority. But in order to really understand what Apostle Paul is trying to convey to us here in the book of Romans, chapter 13. And I brought my board up here and I want to mix, give a, a visual display of what I'm trying to express here this afternoon. But in order for us to truly understand what Paul is saying to us here in Romans chapter 13 by submitting to all governing authorities. I know some of you may be asking me like, you know, and I'm, I'm going to bring this up not this week, but next week. But I want to flesh out the Tulsa, Oklahoma. Some of you may be asking, this is just, you know, if you just celebrate, where was God? What was he doing? Was he asleep? Patch over his eye, couldn't see it, didn't intervene. Where was God doing in the whole situation? I'm not going to address that today, but I'm just going to help you understand when it says um, submitting to all governing authorities, because that had a lot to do with the government. So when do we submit and when do we resist? Those would be, should be good questions, so I don't want to rush to that, but I will come back to that next week. But today, I want to address something else. That all authority is, except is from God and all authority exists and are instituted by God. But in order to understand what Paul's concept of authorities from God's perspective, we need to understand something. And here's what we need to understand. We need to understand of what the scriptures teach us concerning God's providence. Big word. I'm going to unpack it. I'm not just going to throw it out there. Leave it over your head. I'm going to bring it down till you can understand it. So what do we mean when we say God's providence? Ray Pritchard, theologian, gives a great definition, which I'm going to use here today to explain what do we mean when we say God's providence? Because Paul is telling us to submit to all governing authorities. And so we need to unpack that. So what do we mean when we say God is God's providence? Ray Pritchard says that God's providence is God's gracious oversight of the universe, meaning he upholds all things. He governs all events, big, small, and all in between. Let that sink in. He governs each wave, <laughs> each tornado. That's why sometimes when I see the tornado come, I say, God, <laughs> help me out. Just let it pass by 337 Pharaohs. 
just bless Pastor Hardy, Sister Sandy. Now, I know you might let it hit somebody else, but I don't know if I'm, then I start asking God, don't let it hit anybody. You know, and God will say, you know, you know how it works out. <laughs> but nevertheless, he governs all events. He directs everything to its appointed end. He does this all the time in every, not some, in every circumstance. He does it always for his own glory. That could be 3,000 sermons within itself. John Calvin said, if you just really read the Bible for what it is and what it's saying, everything you're reading, what God is doing, why did he make us, why is all this redemptive story, it's all for the glory of God. From eternity past, God set this thing up. And so I want to kind of give you a visual of God's providence from all eternity. Try to give my best. I don't know if you guys can all see it, but just going to walk through this just to kind of give you a visual a little bit. So I put up the top God's providence. He's over everything. And this is from all eternity. What do I mean by that? God never had a beginning. He doesn't have an end. No one made God. No one created God. Like the Jehovah's Witness was trying to say Jesus was created a God. Nope, not true. Um, God didn't have a need where he was lonely in the, in the universe where he just, I'm just lonely with the Trinity. No, perfect harmony, perfect love, perfect union. There was no brokenness. There was no sin. There was no loneliness. God was God all by himself from all eternity. And so God created the world. And so as you can see, this is like the earth. Got to, for people over there that can't see, it's the earth. Some of y'all got good eyes, but the rest of y'all just bear with me. And so you see God's providence. He upholds, he governs everything big and small. Satan, where is he? He's under God's sovereignty. He's not a loose angel that can do what he wants, when he wants, without giving check in to God himself. That really helped me when I understood that Satan just couldn't just kill me when he wanted to. Because I used to be afraid to fly because I'm thinking he can just, you know, shake the plane and, and there I go. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm carrying all this weight and stuff. So I had all kind of issues going on in my mind. So I didn't know if I should lose weight. Every time I fly, I want to lose weight. Because <laughs> I thought when the plane was going up, it had something to do with me holding it down. How that gets in my mind, I don't know. It's just how it works for me. So I'm like trying to stand up, help the plane out. Like, <laughs> to my scientific friend told me, no, nah, man, you're not doing anything to help the plane out. <laughs> so Satan, demons, rulers, powers, and authorities, they are under the providence, God's sovereignty. They're not outside of his providence. Well, Emperors, kings, queens, dictators, prince, princes, presidents, and governors, mayors, police, and etc. Prisons, they are all under the providence of God. They're not outside of God's providence. They are under it. Christians, they're under it. Non-Christians, where are they? 
They are under the sovereignty of God, under the providence of God. And then you got all animals, birds, insects, and etc. They too are all under the providence of God. All the fish that swims in the oceans and the seas, they are not above or outside of God's providence. You know, most of you guys, I told her I was going to do this. Sandra's in the gardening now. The Shayla started it. Sandra started seeing her on Facebook. She said, I'm going to get into this. So if you ever wanted to just learn about God, get into gardening. Because it teaches you there are no randoms in anything. So Sandra was learning this week. She said, babe, come here. And she's getting to tell me to go into the insects. Bumblebees. You know, bumblebees, um, is a, honeybee, bees, they pollinate. And I didn't even know this. And this is where we're already learning. I said, I got to use it in the sermon. So it, it just came right out because I want you to see there are no random anything. Well, flowers, do you not know that there is a male flower and a female? And that the bees go and pollinate the male flower in order for it to get onto the female flower, in order for there to be what we see that we get blessed from. And so when the bees don't do their job, somehow uh, the flower is able to get onto the female flower. Huh? You got hand pollinated so the female flower can birth fruitfulness. I said, what in the world? How is that just by accident? A female flower and a, and a male which tells you to get in this world, God has made it a way you need a male and a female in everything. God's providence is even over that. Moving on from the, that, I'll come back to that. So when we don't understand God's providence in all things, here's what tends to happen. We tend to seek for revenge, which Paul says, don't seek for revenge, let God avenge. We become bitter about life hardships and afflictions. And we tend to see life as random events and happenstance without a purpose to it. We become somewhat fatalistic. But when we do have a healthy understanding of God's providence in all things, we see that the leaders of governments and authorities and nations are instituted by God, both the good and the bad. It's hard for us to swallow sometimes. There are good leaders and there are bad leaders. But all of them, God in his providence um, has instituted for his own glory. You see this really play out. Here's my second slide with a king. Before, don't put the slide up yet, Carl. With a king that was so powerful in his day and time, was the most powerful nation in all of the earth. There's been many great powerful nations. America hasn't been the only one. We are the one now. Well, we're soon losing that. Some think China is going to be the next powerful nation of the world where everything will go through China. And you can see that happening right now. What has come out in this pandemic is how much the stuff that you have on your back comes from China. 
That's why you're paying all that money for that lumber. <laughs> That's why your house's prices are up, because if China don't move, you pay. <laughs> but anyway, this king, he lost sight of this. And he, like all kings and queens, they are so powerful and they got so much money. They just think this God stuff just is above them. And so God had to check them. So here we go. Um, Daniel chapter four. King, by the way, his name, I see that story of Nebuchadnezzar, realization of God's providence. He had lost sight of this. He didn't know it. So God had to teach him. I pray and hope that you don't have to go this way. But here it goes. So he had a dream. First of all, God gave him the dream. Couldn't nobody figure it out. But one of the guys did, one of the children of God, they could figure out the dream. They can interpret the dream. And so here's what they told him. He says, hey, king, um, you got a lot of money. You got a lot of drip. You got a lot of gold. You got a lot of power. People are afraid of you. You built a big giant statue in, in your idol for your idol worship and all of that. But let me break it down to you about the God of the Bible and who he is. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals. Woo. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time, seven years, until you acknowledge, until you bow that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. Not the kingdoms over God. That he's the one that's over them. And he gives them to anyone he wants. As for this command to leave the tree stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. Some of y'all ain't figured that out yet. It's not your best life now. It's not what you want to do. Please hear me well. Heaven rules. God's will is in heaven be done on earth, not your will, not your plans, not your purposes. So if you really want to start praying, God, what is it what you want me to do? It's a different way of praying. So he had to learn this too. He ain't the first one. He had to acknowledge that all heaven rules. Therefore, may my advice seem good to you, my king. Separate yourself from your sins. Always sin in the mix. <laughs> sin is always the leaven. That leavens the lump. By doing what is right, there's the righteous. And from your injustice, by showing mercy to the needy, perhaps, I love it, perhaps the most high will be an extension of your prosperity. All right. Well, he think he would bow down to that. Oh, he don't get it. He's just like us. Nebuchadnezzar is like a big us. He's a big king, but we're the same way. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, as he walked on the roof, walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, Chestnut. The king exclaimed, Is this not Babylon the Great? He got his pronoun. I always say, Get your pronouns right. Should learn that in your first, second, third grade. He got his mixed up. Should have said something else. But he says, Ah, whew. when God hear that I, last time someone used I in God's presence. Jesus said, I saw him fall down like a lightning bolt from heaven. <laughs> Satan. I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power. Uh -uh. I didn't want God hear that stuff like that. What? <laughs> and for my majestic glory. 
Now he's messing with my glory. <laughs> Next verse. I love God. God don't play around with this stuff. While the words, while he was rapping the words, while he was in his, in his beastie mode, the words were still in the king's mouth. Man, he's talking smack. This and that. I'm this and that. I'm king of Babylon. I'm doing this and that. He, he got the mic in his hand. While the words was in his mouth, a voice came from heaven. Huh? He don't forget that I'm the boss. And there was a battle rapper on the other side. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You will be driven away from people to live with the wild animals and you will feed on grass like cattle for seven, period, seven years of time until you acknowledge what? That the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants. Next verse. And at that moment, the message against King Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled and he was driven away from the people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagles, feathers and his nails like birds claws. But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. And then I praised the most high and honored and glorified him who lives forever or his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Here it goes. Most powerful verse in my estimation in one of the scriptures in all the Bible. All scriptures is God breathed and all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There's no war. There's no slavery. There's no nothing that God doesn't give the decree to. It can't happen unless God say so. That's what he's trying to say. There is no king. There is no queen. There is no leader. God is in control of all of that. He does what he wants with the armies of the heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? And King Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that the hard way. Let me keep going. Back to our text. Verse 3, Carl, you can put text to check, I mean Romans 13 back up. So we see in our text today, I'm going to focus in on verse 3 and verse 4. Paul is saying to us in verse 3 that um, for rulers are not our terror to good conduct, which he's saying is, Paul is saying that the overall general rule and role of the civil government in the world is not for terror to those of good conduct. But to the bad, Paul says, verse three, but to the bad. This Greek word here is kakos, which means evil, harmful, badness. This is the same word that Paul uses in Romans two and referring to the evil works and the evil deeds and the wrongdoing of people from both Jew and Greek. I'm going to go to my next slide. So I'm rushing through. Because I got communion, I got to get to it, and I got to set it up. So, my next, um, keep me those slides, Carl. Keep no slide. Jeremiah. 
Okay, here we go. Romans 2. Same Greek word. So Paul is telling us in, back in early in the chapter of Romans. And remember that Paul says that the terror, the civil government is for if you're good, living according to what you need to be doing, then the civil government is really is not for you as much as it is for to keep the bad people in check. And so here's what Paul breaks it down. He said, because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath or gay for yourself in the day of wrath or gay when God's righteous judgment is revealed. He will repay one, each one according to his works. Keep going. Eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good, they seek glory, honor, and immortality. They're living for God. They're seeking their lives or lining up with the scriptures. They're seeking to do good, to seek for God's glory, not their own, to honor him and for immortality. But wrath, orge, and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey. Remember we talked about last week? Those who disobey the truth of God's authority while obeying eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking. I want you to hear this. But wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. And there will be affliction and distress to for every human being who does evil. This word Greek here, the word evil is kakos. It's the same word for bad or wrongdoing. First to the Jew, but also to the Greek. That's all people. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does what is good. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. For he says, for there is no favoritism with God. There is no favoritism. God's judgment and his wrath is going to come. All right, Carl, Jeremiah, back to Romans chapter 13, verse 4. Paul here in chapter 4 of Romans, he reiterates something. He said, for God, it is God's servant is for your good. But if you do wrong, he says, be afraid because it is not, it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant and avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. So what Paul is saying here is he reiterating again that the general rule, this is not always, but for the most part, that the general rule and role of the civil government in this world, in this world, is that of a servant. The word servant there that Paul is using in verse 4 it's the same word we get for deacon is diakonos. It's the word that we use for deacon or a minister. The civil government is a servant of God under the providential care of God in keeping evil people, bad people, wrongdoers from totally causing mayhem and anarchy on the earth. The civil government main role 
It says, be a sword. And Paul says they should be afraid because the civil government does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, a minister, an avenger to bring retribution, punishment, to bring wrath on the ones who does wrong. We see it all the time. This is why people know that there is a God. When they commit a murder, they typically don't run to the police and say, hey, here I am. They typically do what? Run and hide. Why are they running and hiding? Because they would know within what they've done is wrong. They know what they've done, what they've just committed is evil. Something within them, the universal law says, what you just did is an evil thing that is wrong. A person knows when he's raping a person that there's something wrong, when they're stealing. That's why they try to be real quick and do it. They know it. Why should you just walk in and just do it in the broad daylight? They know it's evil. They know it's wrong. They know that there should be some kind of retribution. So it is the government's job to bring punishment. Not for us to do it, but the government. Put people like that in jail when they don't keep and step with the laws of society in order for us to be able to just do life on a regular basis. So Paul says that the government is a minister, it's a servant of God that is a common grace. And I'm making an important statement here that the government is a minister of a servant of God that is a common grace of God. Here it is that foreshadows the ultimate authority and righteous judgment that is to come for all. The ultimate authority is God himself. It is God's wrath, which is his holy anger that Paul spoke about in Romans 2. The ultimate authority is God, and it is God's wrath, which is his holy anger and indignation and his vexation and response to human sin and disobedience. All of our injustice acts against his perfect will. Marriage, sex is between a man and a committed woman in holy matrimony. How many people break that one perfect will of God? If that one could be brought in and step with God's law here in Fairfield, it would remove 85 percent of the social pathologies that we have within the inner city. That's just that one sin. That's just one. So what does God do when people break his laws, disobey his commands? This is what Paul is saying, that God's wrath. And so the government. um, um bringing people into judgment here on the natural side is pointing to a greater spiritual reality that is to come for all. God's wrath, his anger. Man, I'm on YouTube and I see murders and people just being killed. A woman got killed in New York. She went in doing her job at Dunkin' Donuts and a guy came in. She gave him all the money. She was there at five o'clock in the morning. And you got to see that he, she gives him the money. She's done. She's good. 
he still shoots her in the head. He still murders this mother of children. I'm saying, God, I'm so, like, how do you do this? So what is God going to do with all of that, what he sees? All of what we've done. So the ultimate authority is God. There is no authority except that it comes from God. He's the ultimate authority. Spoke about that last week. And his wrath is his holy anger and indignation and vexation in response to all the human sin and disobedience that he sees ever since the time of Adam and Eve. To human sin. All of our injustice that we do to him. We're not even talking to each other. And so guess what? Guess what is the greatest demonstration of God's providence? In the world. Nothing was left up to chance. There was no happenstance. But it was in the plan of God from the very beginning. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. This mess. All the brokenness, fatherlessness, sexual abuse, abandonment, addictions to everything. All the pain and the crying that you see in the world. Everything you see, all the all the just the brokenness and the and the weariness that you see in the world, just murders and funerals and cancer and dying and death and abuse and slavery and injustice and police brutality and, and just just racism and isms and all oh, women being beat up by men all over the world being walked behind. Just thinking about what does God do? It wasn't just an accident. It was in the providential plan of God to send his son. God so loved that he sent his son. It was not by accident. The whole story when Jesus was born was planned. Every scene, every person there, every spirit in the side. Every beard that he got plucked from his beard, all was planned by the great, good, good father. Because God knew that we could not get to him. That we could not make our way out of the mighty clay of sin and brokenness that we were all in. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish Apollomies, the word there in Greek, but have eternal life, Zoe life, promised land life. This word perish means be totally destroyed. Punishment. But if you believe you have Zoe life, you have eternal life. If you believe the story for God did not send his son into the world, verse 17, to condemn the world, but to sozo the world. Through him, those that would believe, the sheep that would come to him, that would, as Karen that was singing, and he knows our name, the sheep, that he knows our names, and we come to him. And many of us have come to him. And I pray today that more would come and surrender our lives to the great master 
that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save us. And so we come to the Lord's table. Jesus, who, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he says, for our sake, he made him to be no sin. Who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Paul says on that night, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night. It was not an accident night. It was a night that was planned in eternity past by the providence of God. A night where he knew that he would be betrayed by his own. By his own creation that he had made, that he would be that he would be betrayed. That they would turn against him. It was a night that was planned and eternity passed. This is what we're trying to say about God's providence. It was planned. On that night, he was betrayed. But he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. This is what I had to come to do to save you, us here today. Here's what we don't understand. God's holy indignation and wrath and judgment is coming to every wrongdoer. We are all wrongdoers here in this room tonight. We have all committed high treason against God in some way. What Jesus does, he intercepts the wrath that was coming on me. And this is what people don't understand. It's not like it can just go away. Jesus intercepted the wrath of God. He who knew no sin, every girl you slept with, that has to be accounted for. Every guy you slept with that you didn't have a ring on, it has to be accounted for. Every lie we've told. Every evil thought we've had in our mind. Every insidious thing that you can think of. Someone has to pay the price. And you know what Jesus did? He stepped in. And the wrath of God. The stored up orgay of God's holy righteousness and judgment. That was coming. If you watch the passion of the Christ. It was hurling down. From all eternity, the wrath of God was coming against all ungodliness and all that was unevil and rebellious towards God. And Jesus, the God-man, who knew no sin, his body was there on that cross as a father. And he said, if I don't put it on him, I'm going to put it on you. But Jesus, for me and for you, this is what he's saying. This is my body, which was broken for you. And do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup. And after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
I was thinking about this, I was preparing about the Exodus, the Egypt story, when God told Moses to put the blood upon the doorpost of the house, and when the angel, the destroyer, which was God said, I'm going to come through. Scholars debate, well, God sent an angel to do it. One word scripture says he sent himself. And God came through Egypt. And where there was no blood, there was death. And for us, we're covered by the blood if we believe. We're not condemned with the world who are lost. God's wrath, God's judgment is a sure thing. For those who put their faith and trust in Christ, who truly believe the gospel story, it is the greatest good news that you could ever hear. And so I adjure you today, if you haven't done that, do that, flee to him, flee from the world. It's only in Christ where we are covered under the blood by his grace, we are saved. And so if you believe here today, this table is for you. If you don't, I would ask that you refrain and that you talk with one of the leaders here and be inquisitive and say, how do I grow to come to understand this story so that you too can come to the table and receive this meal as a remembrance meal to remind you and I, that's why we have here, do this in remembrance of me. It was God who came into the world by his providence, not by a lucky story on happenstance, but he was born at the right time, that of a virgin Mary, to do what? To save us. And that's what he's done. So if you believe today, come to the table and let me offer a word of prayer. And Michael would come and have you guys come to the table. We'll take it at one time. As you come and take it, you can go back to your seats and then we'll eat the meal, drink the cup, and then we'll give a benediction and we'll be out. Father, thank you for your word here today. Thank you that you've provided a table for us that we could be reminded of the story that you so loved the world that you came into the world to save us from our sins. And Lord, Lord, we believe today, encourage our hearts, Lord, that you intercepted the, the greatest wrath ever known the man. I can't even imagine what all that pain and suffering felt like. But I know when I reflect on it, it makes me cry. I'm so gr grateful to be your son and that all of my sins, both past, present and future, are forgiven in you, not because I can work hard for it, because I believe that you are the great mediator the great savior that you are. Encourage our hearts here today as we come to the table. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.